0: Morning, Paula. Morning. Um, so you've been around the church for quite a while, Paula. But just for people who don't know you, um, if you just introduce yourself and tell us a wee bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, I am from Colombia. If you can tell. <laughs> um I've been living here for 16 years. I have a daughter, and we both come to the church. Um, I came here um, a few years ago, um, full of questions and a lot of um, confusion in my mind. Um, So the lovely ladies from the church, uh, they took me in. I started to uh, learn a lot with the um, Bible studies. And uh, my faith grew and grew, and my questions were less and less. So uh, now we are here uh, feeling like a part of the family.
0: I think that is a real strength of our church, is our our ladies, Um, and um, with Community Week, and with getting together as a team, the wonderful opportunity to get to know people like yourself that I I didn't know as much before, Um, but when you're thinking about Community Week and getting more involved, um, why was it you decided to be part of the week? What made you want to, to serve and give so much time throughout the week?
1: Um, yeah, I was thinking about that, and actually, I think it was a gift uh, of the Holy Spirit. Um, we were reading this morning that um, the Lord Jesus moved you to serve for service, and I think that was um, an amazing gift um, through uh, praying, through learning more about His wonderful love. Um, I think He moved you, and you feel the Holy Spirit um, sort of working there. <laughs> and um, i feel very blessed to do that and even sometimes when you feel empty and i thought oh how am i going to do that and how am i going to speak to people and (laughs) what am i going to say but um it's wonderful how the lord um, give you the strength because it's not you it's him so i think it was a big privilege um yeah yeah
0: thank you um and then final question Obviously, we've seen some of what happened in the kids' club, and you were helping out in other ways during the week as well. So just tell us a wee bit about your week and what your favorite aspects of, of the week were. Uh,
1: yes, so we were um, working hand-to-hand with all the simple people in the cafe, and our leader, Victoria. <laughs> She's wonderful. So I have learned a lot from all of them. And we were... It's something that I love. Uh, Michael said one... Of in think times something along the lines that every cup of tea that's been poured is being poured by the Lord so um, I thought that was really good because um, you think well how can we give a testimony serving coffees and tray bakes by the way they were very very nice and <laughs> so much uh, <laughs> but um, I, I think that- it's a matter of comfort uh, people out. We noticed they were a lot of um, lonely people, uh, very needy as well, um, and the Lord has given them that space where they can find a uh, comfort, where they can find a um, happy smile and, and welcome, um, uh, an ear they can talk to, and somebody they can pray for them as well. So we witnessed um, many, many beautiful smiles and grateful people. And we have witnessed how the Lord has touched people's lives as well. So I think that's something I will take with me. That's a great, great experience, and hopefully we can do it on and on.
0: Thank you very much, Paula. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
2: Paula and Dan and my apologies that the video was a little shorter than intended. We'll see if we can circulate the, the uncut version um, I didn't realize we needed a, a PG reading. I saw some men in bare chest um, it really was a lot of fun this week folks and it gives me great pleasure to hand over to, for the next 20-25 minutes to John Kennedy who's our speaker this morning. John is is much loved in, in our church as is his wife Susie and their two children. Uh, Let's just pray for John as he comes to speak to us. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts. Father, we have seen you move this week and we are so grateful for it. Thank you, Lord, that you have involved us, that you've included us, that you've given us wisdom, that you've guided us, Lord. Father God, as John comes to speak to us, I pray that he would be a mouthpiece for you. Lord bless him as he shares his word with us. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Um, Can I just add my welcome to everyone who's joined with us this morning for Community Week Sunday. And if some old friends I notice in the, in the, in the audience and you're very welcome you come back to join us but if you're new to us a new friend and you've been with us maybe through the Community Week that just passed um, you're very welcome um, along. Community Week gives us an opportunity just as Paula has described to have conversations um, the front doors are open and the chairs are right and this was a great week just to engage with people um, th- at the front of the church. And on the street and in the streets around us, we had an opportunity to walk around and just have conversations. Michael and others had an opportunity just to stop and pray with people. And many, many people had questions to ask. And as Paula said, when she first came to this church, she had a number of questions. And those who came alongside her answered those questions through the Bible. Um, this morning, I want to break into two conversations and into two specific questions in particular that the Lord Jesus had with Simon Peter. Simon Peter was the, a disciple of Jesus. He probably was the leader of the disciples. And when Jesus met Simon Peter for the first time, he only had one name. He just had Simon. And... Simon was a fisherman, and him, uh, Simon uh, and his brother Andrew came to the Lord. After that command, follow me. And when Jesus met Simon, he says, I want to call you Peter, which means to be a rock. So Simon Peter got these two names. At times he was more Simon than he was Peter. And in these two questions, we're going to see how that those two aspects of his personality, of his development as a leader, as he becomes a leader in the, in the Christian church in Jerusalem, and as he took the gospel to the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius at a later date in Acts. We're going to break in and read from the Bible and the, the the portion is going to come up in the PowerPoint behind us. So, it's found in Matthew, the first of the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew 16 and verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, to the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the keys of hell, the gates of hell, sorry, shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven." And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in, in heaven then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no than no one that he was the christ so we start with peter uh, simon peter in his journey as one of the first disciples a key disciple he was with jesus and many of Uh, as a small group of three or four disciples on many intimate occasions. In the Mount of Transfiguration, um, um, Peter, James, and John were privileged to see the Lord um, being transfigured into his glory. He was taken in with the Lord to raise um, the, the, the daughter of Jairus and so on. On various occasions, he was in a privileged position. But in this journey, he was witnessing various things about this man. Jesus, to all around him, was an all-knowing figure. He came from, from Nazareth. He was a carpenter's son. He was a sound teacher. He was a good teacher. And many people marveled at what he said. But who actually was him? And the disciples were privileged to see him up close and what he had done. We were able to see him t- feed the 5,000 to 4,000. We're able to see him raise the son of, uh, of the widow of Nain. We're able to see him calm the storm on the boat. But this point in time it was really pivotal. Because the next stage of the Lord Jesus' journey was he was going to tell his disciples that he wasn't going to be who he, they thought he was going to be, they thought he was going to set up his kingdom on earth. They thought he was going to banish the Romans from their their land and restore their pride and their glory as a nation. But in actual fact, he was going to be crucified. And he was about to tell them that story. He was about to reveal that to the disciples. But first things first, he wanted to know, did they understand who he was so after feeding the 5,000, after feeding the 4,000, and they seeing, and they've been part of it, and Rupin, uh on Friday morning reminded us that the disciples all had an active role, just like us at Community Week. We had an active role in the Lord Jesus' mission on earth and in the mission now. They had to put them into groups of 50. They had to take the bread and distribute it amongst the 5,000-plus women and children. It was a big task. Afterwards, they had to gather up all the fragments that were left and clean up. On Friday afternoon, that was quite quite a task for us to put the church back the way it was. But imagine cleaning up after 15,000 people after they had eaten bread and fish and leave the place as they found it. They were part of the mission, but it wasn't just enough to be part of this activity. It wasn't just enough to be part of the movement. It wasn't just enough to go along with the crowd. He wanted them to understand, to answer this question, who do you say that I am? It was a key milestone. Many of us have been part of Community Week, and maybe as visitors you have joined in in Community Week. Maybe you've talked to the folks in the foyer. Maybe you've had many questions you've had to ask. But the key question, if you want to move on and find out more and explore is, who is Jesus? Those around had their conventional wisdom of the time, and they pieced together parts of the Old Testament and thought he might be Elijah. This man might be Elijah, as as they thought would come from Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. He might be a prophet that was raised from the dead. He might be John the Baptist. They were confused. But Peter, he stepped forward. Peter was a person who offered his opinions very quickly. He maybe was a little, a little outspoken. He maybe was a little rash. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he took a sword and he swiped the sword around and managed to take off the ear of Malchus, the servant. And he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, In flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but it has been revealed from heaven. It was divine revelation. And this morning, each of us in this building who are Christians and who follow the Lord Jesus, at some point, we came to this important conclusion. The person who is revealed in this Bible from the genesis to Revelation, the person who walked this scene of time as God manifest in the flesh. The person who was nailed so cruelly to Calvary's cross. The person who the soldiers guarded on the tomb for three days, and yet he was, he was raised from the dead. The person who ascended into heaven in the sight of his disciples was the Son of God. He was the one that God had promised Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He was the one that the prophets foretold in the Bible. He was the one who turned the water into wine. He was the Son of God. He wasn't a messenger. He wasn't an angel. He was part of the triune God. He was holy. He was blameless. He was sinless. Yet, he became obedient unto death. He became obedient unto death that we might be saved that we might be made his children. And the starting point for Peter on this day, amongst his friends, as they sat around the 12 disciples and looked at this as they some thought was a teacher, some thought was Elijah, looked at his rugged hands from being a carpenter, looked at his plain, simple clothing, heard his meek and mild manner in his speech, made this very profound statement, you are the Christ, the Son of a living God. Can I ask you this morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, can you explore this question, who is Jesus? Michael has reminded us this morning that later on, maybe next month, there will be a Christianity Explored course. That's an opportunity to take a six week course and to look at who Jesus is and explore what he has done. Can I appeal to you? Can I also appeal to you to get a Bible and to read the first four Gospels in the New Testament, which sets out the person of Jesus. He is more than just an historic person. He is more than just someone who churches and talk about, but he is the Christ, the Son of the Living God who is now seated at God's right hand because his work on earth is done. And the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, dwells in each of us who are his, son, his, his children as Christians. So, Peter answered this question. Can we turn to John? And we're going to read um, another question that Jesus asked Peter. And it's found in John chapter 21 in verse 15. Peter's story and his life has moved on and a lot has happened since when he started to be his disciple when he left the Sea of Galilee as a fisherman and he made this great declaration that Jesus was the Son of God. A lot had happened. He had denied the Lord when he was about to be crucified. Peter Simon Peter said he would never deny the Lord. He made this very bold claim at when Jesus said, look, when I'm crucified, the shepherd, he likened himself, Jesus, as a shepherd. And when the shepherd has been smitten or stricken or slain, the sheep will scatter. And Peter said, no, no, everyone. It's like me saying here today, When things get tough in Belfast for Christians, I will still be here. I will still be at this pulpit. You all may have disappeared, but I will still be here. Peter was making the same claim. No matter what happens, Lord, I will be at your side. And he made a a courageous attempt. He made his way to his mock trial, and he stood outside. But when a young girl unthreateningly asked him, do you know Jesus? I think I've seen you with him. No, I don't. I don't know him at all. And even when the question was asked three times, he ended up it was swearing and cursing. And he denied the Lord. The Lord saw it. And then he was annoyed with himself. And here we break into the story after his resurrection, after the Lord meets him. And the Lord meets him again after Peter had gone fishing. And they had breakfast with him on the the shore of the Sea of Galilee. In verse 15 it said, And when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Notice the, the use of Simon and the use of the word Peter. Peter means rock. Jesus wanted Peter to be a rock for him in building his church. He wanted him to establish a church in Jerusalem. He wanted him to establish a church with the Gentiles you and I. And he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He had said earlier that matter of these disciples, these others around him, disappear and forsake you. I will still be there. Jesus brings him back to that bold promise that he made. Do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, probably with a little edge and a tone to his voice, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The same words that started away back in the Sea of Galilee as a fisherman, follow me. Now, back in the shore again, he says, follow me. Why did Jesus ask him three times, Do you love me? On that morning, as he got off the boat after fishing, the mist was just rising across the Sea of Galilee. Peter's and well, the other disciples spot a small charcoal fire glowing in embers and fish on it, and they realized it was the Lord. And very they sat down and had a nice breakfast together. And then this question comes to Peter very directly, "Do you love me?" I wonder, was Peter waiting for it? Or did it catch him by surprise? Or was it one of those questions that was running around in his head and here it was. Here it was being verbalized. Do you love me? And he asked him three times. And in the Greek, the word love has three different levels. And the word is akope in the Greek and it means sacrificial love. Do you love me sacrificially? Peter had made that claim that he would love him sacrificially. And Peter replies, you know I love you. But he downgraded it slightly to brotherly love or friendly love. The Lord asks him again, do you love me? Same word, occupy sacrificially. Peter responds, you know I love you. Brotherly as a friend. He pulls back from that overcommitment that he once had. And the third time, he says, do you love me sacrificially? And Peter says, you know I love you as a friend. In fact, you know everything about me. In humility, Peter realized he couldn't overpromise. Because he'd seen what sacrifice looked like. He'd seen what the full extent had looked like on the cross when Jesus, the Son of the living God, Sinless, spotless, died for him. And in the weakness of fallen humanity, he denied him in front of a, of a servant girl. And in the weakness of his fallen flesh, he went out fishing. And he confronts the Lord. And in honesty and in humility, he says, you know my heart. I am not going to overpromise. And the Lord kindly says to him, feed my lambs, follow me. The Lord didn't walk away and say, well, that's it then. If you can't sacrifice, if you can't love me sacrificially, you're not my lead disciple. You're not going to be the person who's going with you and James We're going to set up the church in Jerusalem. You're not going to be the person who's going to take the gospel to Cornelius. No. He understood where Peter was at, and he commissioned him to be who he became. This morning, we come as Christians, and we came last week as servants of the Lord, and we understood our weaknesses, and we confessed them to Jesus every morning in our quiet time, but yet the Lord walks with us, yet the Lord is kind to us, because he understood our capacity. We're essentially a Simon Peter. Sometimes we're all Simon. Sometimes we're a wee bit more Peter. The Holy Spirit is in our flesh, battling every day to make us better, to purify our hearts, Peter talks about later in his letter. As we go out into this week, the Lord is with us. He loves us. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us and save us. If you're not a Christian, think about what God has done for each of us. He's died on the cross. God raised him again the third day to put away sin. And through acceptance of who he is, we can have forgiveness. We can be part of his family. And we can go on to live for him with all our flaws and our failures, without, and with God's grace, we can overcome them day by day because God loves us. When we come to Peter's, and I know Gareth was doing this with the teenagers I'm going to stop in a few minutes. He was looking at first um, the teenagers, a program called Engage, and there were about 16, 17 teenagers. And they looked at first Peter. I'm not sure if he got to verse chapter four or not, but... Um, that's where I want to finish. The end of all, verse 7, it says, that the end of all things is at hand. And he is writing to Christians, therefore be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. He just wants them to think a little bit of what's happening in the world. He wants them just to take stock, not to rush on madly. Peter probably wasn't really self-controlled and sober-minded in his early days. He was a bit rash. He did overpromise. In verse eight, he says, "Above all, above all. Just as we are mentioned in the verse from Corinthians, "Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Love, since love covers a multitude. Of sins, that word earnestly and fervently, whatever translation you're using, that Peter uses in his letter, has the idea of being stretched. Love that is stretched to its very uttermost. Uh, in our house, we often forget to put when the bedclothes are changed. You forget to go up the stairs. At, late at night to go into bed and you haven't put the blank the doobie back together and you haven't put the sheets back on again. The odd times some of us Susie or I might remember and sort of delay a little bit to see who would rush up and into the hot press and grab the sheets and put it on. It's not really the thing you want to do at night when you're tired. Especially when you've got a sort of a one of these sort of sort of more technical mattresses, which are a bit this thick. No, they're not a wee bit thicker. And the sheet isn't really meant for that mattress. So you have to start stretch it on, get it onto the corners, and hope that you can get your fingers out and the sheet doesn't pop off again and you have to do it all over again. This is what's in mind that Peter is trying to get us to think about. The love that we show each of us, sincere love stretches that stretches and encompasses Even when people annoy us. Even when I annoyed Michael during the week, he still loves me. (laughs) He never annoyed me, really. Can I leave at the end of community week that God loves each of us to that extent? That he stretched out his arms on a cross and took the nails, the rugged nails of a Roman army because he loved us. Today as Christians and are flawed and are wrestled to become the Simon Peter to put more of Christ into our lives and he stretches our loves around us. Can I ask each of you as brothers and sisters to stretch your love around each other? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ to come into this world for 33 years and will have one thing in mind, to die for us, to give his life for us, to be raised again the third day, that we might be justified. But this morning, you can look on each of us as if we have never, ever sinned. Because what have Jesus done on the cross? Father, help us to give thanks for God's love. Help us to come in faith and to trust that this is all we need for time and for eternity. And help us to love each other as you have exhorted us to do. In his name, amen.